What London Can Be is brought to you by London Community Foundation, an organization dedicated to improving communities across London and Middlesex County. Welcome to What London Can Be, the podcast where we navigate our shifting world, shine a light on the issues our city is facing, and explore the innovative Made in London solutions to critical challenges in our community. I'm Diane Silva, Director of Philanthropy at London Community Foundation. Today I'm joined by Carl Cadogan, Chair of the London Black History Coordinating Committee, to talk about what Black History Month means to him, the recent move of the Slave Chapel to Fanshawe Pioneer Village, and the importance of educating people about Black history. Hi Carl, how are you today? I'm great. It's, um, yeah, I haven't been out yet, but I... I'm look, I look at the weather channel and I think it's going to be a nice day. I think so too. The sun is out, which is a good sign. Um, always a good sign when the sun is out. So, And we're glad to have you on our podcast today. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, Carl, February is Black History Month. And as chair of the London Black History Coordinating Committee, can you tell us a bit about the work that you do with this organization and what Black History Month means to you? Well, um, yeah, I've I've been the chair for the last few years, and um, last year we celebrated twenty years um, our committee, and that meant a whole lot to us. And this year, as our twenty first year, it means even more. Um, Black History Month personally means to me is really to feel good about sort of being black and our place in, in, in the society as a whole, but in London, um, sort of more in general. The Black History Committee, when we got started, we tried to focus on so education, celebration, um, um, and the celebration was really to celebrate the black community, celebrate accomplishments, achievements, celebrate the history of the community in London because black folks have been here for hundreds of years and not everyone knows that. Um, Inform is really to help, inform and educate was really to help people sort of gain that understanding, know a bit more about the community, know a bit more about the history. And um, we do that by getting involved in events and activities that we ourselves present and also that other organizations present. So we kind of act like a clearinghouse for information. And we try to share as much information as we can, not only in February, but other times of the year as well. Um, And so, what it means to me is all of those things. It means really, um, you know, being acknowledged um, and sharing information and sharing our history with the broader community. And it also means a lot of young people, young Black people, don't know a lot about Black history in London, how we've settled here, because they don't teach it in high school. They don't teach it in public school. So this is also a way to outreach to parents in the Black community so they get a better sense of who we are and how we can sort of work better together and position ourselves in this society. 
Mm -hmm. And I remember, Carl, when, and you touched on this, uh, when you and I uh, first chatted, um, you mentioned that you don't want Black history to just only be celebrated in February. And there are some goals, uh, higher goals that your group really wants to achieve around like even creating a permanent structure in the community. Can you expand why this is so important? I, 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 and even to the programming that you offer? Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. We, we, you know, we, although we focus a lot on February, which is the shortest and coldest month of the year, we tend to do more other times of the year. And, and we have done that for many years, um, not consistently, but often and regularly. So we, we know that, um, a lot happens in the community over the course of 12 months, and we try to help sort of connect people to people. So we've been involved in events and activities in, with the city of London. Um, you know, so the city went through this process last year in identifying um, um, uh, opportunities for naming of streets and buildings and that kind of stuff. So we were part of that. We were part of the Thames Valley District School Board um, discussion about naming of schools, as an example. Um, we have been involved with discussions with um, London Police Services about um, things like Black Lives Matter. Um, so we, and those things happen throughout the year. And, and I think we've had discussions last year, We we spent some time looking strategically at our future. We work with Parallel Nonprofit Not Network to, to kind, of, kind of review where we've been, where we would like to go. Um, you know, we are lucky as an organization that we're volunteer led and volunteer driven. Um, and we get a lot of support from organizations like London Cross Cultural Learner Center and Museum London but there are times when we want to sort of be on our own and do things independently of some other organizations. And so part of our discussion is really, what should we be doing? Um, should we look at sort of charcoal status as an organization? Should we look at sort of building uh, an organization that has a bit more structure and look at funding for staff and those kinds of things? So that's where we're at now. We're kind of in the midst of sort of navel gazing. And um, we are hoping that um, by the end of this year, we will have come to some, we, you know, we will be on a better footing knowing our future. Mm -hmm. That's really good. And I, I love that you shared the work that you're doing as, a, as an organization in advocating, uh, you know, around like a naming of streets and, and things like that and working with the London police. What about the curriculum? You raised a good point. Um, would you like to see, uh, clearly I, I believe you will, but do you see that that is going to be embedded more uh, in the curriculum about the history of black people and in, 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 um, in the Canadian context? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, I mean, this has been going on for years and beyond London as well. I, I 20 plus years ago, actually more than 30 years ago, I was involved in a in, in committee in Toronto about curriculum and 
and um, and um, you know education and uh, had part of roundtables with the Ministry of Education and different school boards. And I think it always seems to be a struggle. I think that, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure about you, you folks are younger than I am, and I don't know what you experience in history class, but in history classes, I remember in grade 10 history, it was the year that we did sort of, um, sort of Canada um, and grade 13, so I have a grade 13. Um, and I remember writing, um, uh, 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 an essay on, on, on Blacks in Canada. And I remember having a battle with the teacher because he, and he taught Canadian at grade 13 level, he taught Canadian history. He felt that my essay was more about American history because the, because the, the the examples I cited, he didn't know. Although the footnotes clearly said, "This is you know Canadian, this is this," but he had a hard time, and I he gave me a C, and I fought him for weeks and weeks um, because he really did not like my essay because it really portrayed black people being an important part of the history of Canada. So that's an example that happened many years ago. And I think students still struggle with this because it is not, you have to ask for it in, in, in schools. And sometimes it happens in February, a very brief time that schools sometimes allow the discussion of a black history, some schools do, but it's not embedded in even Canadian history. Um, or social studies or some aspect of what you get in high school. Right. So it is, it is, it's a lot of work left to be done. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad you shared this perspective because looking back on my education and I would agree with you, there was very limited information. And uh, I, I do think it's important to share that part of, of our history, right? Uh, just like we're doing now with indigenous peoples too. It's, it's good to uncover these truths, right? So thank you for sharing that. Um, Going back to um, Black History Coordinating Committee, what can the average Londoner do, like to get involved or can they, do you wanna share anything around that? Well, well, you know, we're a committee of people who volunteer and we are a very diverse committee. So it's not just 25 black folks sitting around trying to organize these events. We have very diverse group of people. We have organizations like London Public Library staff from from London Public Library. We have staff from London Police Services, um, other organizations, French School Board. Um, So we are trying to be diverse in our approach, both um, racially and linguistically and and so we we open our doors and open our arms to anyone who wants to help if you can if you can um agree with you know kind of what we're trying to do and you have some time that you want to give um we um you know we we even if you say i can only give you know five hours a, a, a year and I want to do some stuff during Black History Month, 
then we know we can utilize your time and your skills for a specific thing. So we're very flexible and, um, and, and, and Londoners can get involved in that way. They can get involved by coming out to our events and learning a bit more about, um, about our history. We had um, our opening event at Museum London um on the fourth um it was really well attended it was a really very good event and actually one of the better attended i think people were you know glad to get we've been doing our events um virtually for the last few years so people were i think we were glad to get back to in-person event and we had a really good turnout and um we had a very good turnout at our event at at the library on on the weekend as well so uh, yeah so coming out to events um you know we 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 most of our events are free um but so but if people want to donate they can also donate to us through london cross cultural learner center um you know so we are you know a group of folks just trying to do good in this community for sure. And I think and I love that approach because by people just attending events, it's like you said, you expand your knowledge and you become better allies, right? Yes, so, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And the support, even though you're volunteer led and volunteer driven, is needed uh, because yeah. I know there's bigger things on the horizon for your group and you need that financial support. So I really encourage Londoners to to reach out and engage. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. So, Carl, can you share any of the upcoming events that you have planned? This is not an exhaustive list. And, and if people want to check us out, our website is lbhcc.ca. But on the 23rd, we have an event at uh, Aeolian Hall. We are doing it with uh, the French community. We're doing it with it's, um, it's Senegalese um, singer-songwriter. Um, it's it's at six thirty. It's going to be a great sort of fun, amazing young musician from Senegal. Um, we're excited about that. Um, on the twenty, and later that day as well, we have the Louis Correy um, Trailblazer Awards. It's with the London Police Services. Louis Correy was um, the first black officer with the London Police Services. And uh, we've done this event uh, with London Police Services for, for many years. This year is going to be especially poignant because Louis Carey passed away the end of last year. So we are, um, you know, paying respect to him as well. So the event as well as, as what he's done um, over the years. Um, on the 25th, we have two events. One is our closing um, closing ceremony, which is at the Wolf, and that is um, you know that's always a good event. It's, it's musical. It's we have poetry, po poets. We have um, singers. Um, it's always a great event. It's one of our events that um, actually um, costs money. So it's um, fifteen dollars for adults. And I think it's um, free to children under 12. Um, and then we have the African Food 
um, festival, which is at um, Carrefour Communitaire Francophone um, on um, Huron Street. And it's at um, 5, 5 p.m. And this is like the fourth or fifth year we've done this event. Last year, we actually did it virtually, meaning that people could order food and have it delivered. And uh, that was that was different and it was interesting. Um, going back to um, in-person event is going to be good as well. And it gives people an opportunity to participate in, I think there are at least four or five African countries and food from different countries and um, very reasonable event as well. It's, um, I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's also uh, $15 um, per person, but you get, um, you get an experience um, different food. For uh, sure. And food um, is the way to the heart and soul. <laughs> and, and yes, and it's, and, and, you know, we, every so often we also have a little bit of music and some other things happening, but it's a really good event. Um, and, um, you know, those events are sort of the last week of February. And so we are we always like to try to promote those events because those are the events also that, that we're able to, um, you know, if we can raise a bit of money, um, we, we try to do it at those events. Going back to the history piece, I know the London Fugitive Slave Chapel is a significant historical um, chapel and part of our history, rich history in London with Black people. So um, I understand you're involved with the London Fugitive Slave Chapel project which is a fund. I know the charitable piece of it, the fundraising for it is a fund held at Lenin Community Foundation. Can you share a little bit about uh, where this project is at and why it's so important to Black history? About 13, 14, I don't remember exactly, years ago. Um, you know, I mean, this chapel was built in 1830s, 1840s, and it was built by... Um, Africans who escaped slavery in the U.S. and came to Canada, settled here in London. And it was built as not only as a place of worship, but a place to congregate. And it was that for a number of years, for many years. And then at some point in time when they built a new, a new chapel, they... Um, sold the building and um, and it was, was used for uh, kind of a residential um, for many years. And then about, I guess, 14, 13, 14, 15 years ago, um, the folks that owned the property and the land um, <laughs> were going to demolish the building. And um, a whole lots of folks um, rallied around and saved the building and moved it to Gray Street. Um, the thing about the building, the building had a plaque that said it was a historical site. It always did. And the last people that lived there took the plaque. And we tried to get it back, but they never returned it. So um, 
that's part of the history. Anyway, um, the idea was to save it and to restore the building. And um, there's been um, some effort made over the years, but in the last couple of years, the new pastor at the church, um, Beth Emanuel, um, is sitting on the property and, and really felt that, you know, he needed to do something with the building and he sort of pledged it to Fanshawe Penner Village. Fanshawe was really, they were really good in terms of how they responded because before they accepted it, they wanted to ensure that the black community were okay with that. And so there was a lot of discussions. They brought a number of people together, a number of organizations, Congress of Black Women, Black Lives Matter, London Black History Reporting Committee, and lots of individuals who'd been involved at the very at the onset of this um, discussion, um, and um, talked about you know should we accept this? What should we do? Should we raise some money? How can we do this? And all those kinds of things. So there was discussions. With the community, we had um, information sessions at um, the market where we talked to the community. We had sort of virtual sessions. And, you know, I think everyone by and large thought it was a good idea because they saw it as um, an opportunity to add sort of an, a, a, a bigger educational component and also to have a permanent home for the place. Because even while it was sitting on Gray Street, we, we, you know, we kind of knew that wasn't going to be its permanent home. And, and part of the discussion over the years is really you know, to move it again. It was a wooden structure. Um, so it's um, tough really to, it was being beat up by the weather. The winters were really, um, although it was partially covered for years. Anyway, um, so we started um, to do some work on uh, with the board of Fanshawe Penner Village. And they said, you know, we will accept it if we can raise at least $300,000 to do the work. And that's what we set up to, to do. We built um, a fundraising committee um, so we have a steering committee working with, with the move. And then we had a fundraising committee whose job it is to raise funds. And that's, we set about doing that. And, um, and we thank the community foundation for, for being the conduit for those funds. And um, yeah, so we are, you know, we approached the federal government, we approached the city um, to help with the move uh, for the second time. And, we got support. We got support from 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 Londoners of all kinds and stripes and religions. So, you know, as an example, the Catholic diocese. Um, you know, lots of folks really step up to the plate. And um, and in November, um, uh, we moved the building to its site at Fanshawe Panner Village and. You know, the plan is to have the restoration being done um, and hopefully opening 
late spring, early summer. So a lot of work had to be done to, to kind of strengthen the, 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 the structure. Um, and that's what has been done and it's covered. And um, because it had been for a long while had been sort of a, a residential, they had to take a, out some, anyway. So it's at a point now that, you know, over the next um, few months and once it gets a bit warmer, the work will be done. And we have an education committee that's working to build uh, programming around the, the building. So we will have a sort of a big um, unveiling at some point in time in the spring or early summer. And, um, you know, we will hopefully get the whole community to come out to see this because it's going to be um, it's going to be an important piece of London history, not just Black history, but the history of London. And um, we're excited about that. What a beautiful tribute to the people that first established this congregation, right? Uh, back then, um, I'm. it's such a beautiful journey to know all the different... Uh, like the evolution of the building itself and all the iterations you've been through, but the fact that you've brought it back to this point, and like you said, it's a significant part of London's history and that people should connect with, um, that, it, that's great. Congratulations. Yeah, we have, we have, I think part of that as well, I think last year, the year is kind of flowing to each other because of COVID. But I know last year, the year before, I think it was last February, we had, um, I invited Anthony Sherwood, a filmmaker, and he made a film called 100 Years of Faith about one of the oldest Black churches in Quebec. And um, we had brought the film to London many years ago. So I'd seen it before, and I thought it would be a good, film for folks connected to the chapel to see and to um, experience. So we, we, we saw the film and Anthony heard about all the work we were doing with the chapel. And he said, you know, I should do a documentary about the chapel. So he actually did not wait. Usually, you, you know, filmmakers go through a long process especially documentarians, they go to NFB and CBC and all of those other cultural acronyms, uh, organizations. But Anthony set about making a film uh, on his own dime. Wow. Yeah. Um, he interviewed a lot of folks connected to the history of Seven the Chapel. Um, he filmed um, The Move, um, he filmed the chapel while it was on Gray Street. Um, so he did a lot, a lot of work. And, um, and you know, I know it's going to be <clears throat> um, a good film because Anthony's done amazing film um, over the years. Um, but um, we're excited about 
what's happening on Saturday with that as well. That's great. Well, perfect timing for us to be talking and you, yes, you've shared yes. this with I, us. I, I didn't want to forget about it. I, I, I wrote some notes. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you so shared I, this. So, so I, I would remember about that. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. So uh, my final question to you is, what do you think Lenin can be and how do you think we can get there together? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, you know, London is an interesting city, sort of geographically, we kind of lie between Toronto and Detroit or Windsor. We're in the middle of stuff. We are not a small city and we're not a large city. You know, it's a, a good size city. Um, you know, we have really good infrastructure. We have a, we have a history. Um, of, of a whole lots of folks coming to this community. And it can be sort of a model of, of, of you know, equity and diversity. And, um, and, and if, if, you know, I, you know, a part of what I know the city was developing sort of their strategic plan. And I kind of glance at some of the things in the plan but you know that piece, I think, you know, and it's very hard to say what it means in a way. But I think the city could be a model of what a, a good city could be, you know. And, and there are lots of institutions in the city um, that could help make it so, you know. I mean, the work that the community foundation does, the work that um, you know, the London Health Sciences and other um, large institutions. You've got a university, you've got a college, um, you've got, a, I mean, a college and a university that now is focusing on international students, so bringing diverse people to the city. So the, how are we including those people into our city? You know, I mean, it's easy to bring a lot of people from another country here, but how are we making it comfortable for them? Um, you know, there's a lot of work to be done, and this city can do that. Um, and I wish it would do it well and and also tell people that it's doing it well. Yes. Yes, I, I totally see what you're saying. And I think given the fact that we have these amazing resources in our community and infrastructure, the possibilities are endless when it comes to addressing these things and uh, welcoming people into our community, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been wonderful, Carl. Thank you so much. Um, well, thank I, you. That, thank you, you all. Thank yes. the London Community Foundation. Thank you for the the interesting questions, and some of them made me think hard and reflect on on some of the things that we've done. And um, yeah, it's it's good. It's good to have the chat. Well, and I hope it inspires our listeners to also think hard and reflect and lean in uh, to Black History Month Coordinating Committee and other and all the activities that you roll out throughout the year and engage. So we'll definitely put links to the organization on uh, on our website so people can subscribe and lean in too and support thank you very much 
Thank, Thank you. you. All the best. Bye for you now. Have a good day. You Take too. Care. Thanks for joining us for this episode of What Lenin Can Be. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about today's guest, visit us at lcf.on.ca forward slash what Lenin can be. If you like this podcast, tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find links on our website. Thank you again for listening to us.